been my only button. It's my stage so much on Smash Bros. The Legend. You can find her for every day of the week button. Oh yeah, it's going to be an interesting sermon. Pastor brought beer to church. That's what you can tell people. You go out to Chili's today and said, how was church today? It was good. Pastor brought the beer. But anyways, <laughs> let me start by asking some questions. But before I do that, let me just tell you that I don't want you to raise your hand. Did you hear me? I do not want you to raise your hand. I just want you to think about the answers. So here goes. I'm going to raise mine so it's not a trick. How many of you are overweight? Not just a little bit overweight, I mean a lot overweight. How many of you smoke? How many of you gamble at the casino on a regular basis at least once a week? How many of you watch adult entertainment? Okay, let's be honest. Pornography, it just sounds better when you say adult entertainment, but it's pornography. You look at pornography on the internet. How many of you drink on a regular basis and get buzzed? How many of you take drugs? And we're not talking about the medication that your doctor prescribes for you. We're talking about illegal drugs. Well, if you answered yes to any of those questions in your mind, this morning's message is going to be offensive to you. So I thought it best to start off with the confession. So I want everyone to repeat after me. God... I thank you for your word, even when it steps on my toes. And God, I promise not to get upset with Pastor Allen. No, you laughed. And not to get upset with Pastor Allen. He's just speaking the truth. And I promise to love him. After he finishes the sermon. And I want you to turn to someone and say, it's going to get rough in here. <laughs> the mantra for this series is Proverbs 19.3, which simply means that you're going to hear this verse over and over again for the next four weeks. And by the time we finish this series, you're going to know this verse by heart. Proverbs 19.3 says, people ruin their lives by their own foolishness and then are angry at the Lord. That is so true. If I had a nickel for every time I've seen this happen, I would be a rich man. And I'm not joking, I'm being serious. Now, to be honest with you, this verse is so explanatory that I really don't need to expound upon it. But I am a pastor, which means that I'm going to. I want you to underline the word ruin. It's translated from the Hebrew word salaf, which means to twist, to turn upside down, to pervert, to distort. Or as we would say today, to screw up. So what this is saying is that people screw their lives up by doing foolish things. And then they get angry at God like it's his fault. Whew. Man, that is so true. People screw their lives up by doing foolish things. Things like having an affair. Getting addicted to drugs. Or marrying someone they shouldn't have even dated in the first place. And then when their life begins to fall apart, they get mad at God. Like it's his fault. Listen to me. 
If your life is screwed up, it's not God's fault. It's your fault. You either made some foolish decisions or you did some foolish things. So you need to take responsibility for your actions and start applying God's word to fix the problem. And let me just tell you, if the problem was big enough to screw up your life, you're not going to be able to fix it overnight. And the truth is, it's going to take some time and it's going to take some major work. Now, every once in a while, I'll have someone come up to me and they'll make this comment. Pastor Allen, my life is screwed up. But it's not my fault. I was abused as a child. Or I was molested. Or they might tell me I grew up in a dysfunctional home and you have no idea what happened to me as a child. And my response is always the same. You're right. You are not responsible for what happened to you as a child. I don't know why, but sometimes... People do horrible things to children, things that scar those children for life. And if that's happened to you, let me just say, I am so sorry. From the bottom of my heart, I'm so sorry that you grew up in a home like that or that you were exposed to that type of affliction and heartache. And let me also assure you that God is sorry too. And he does not hold you responsible For what happened to you as a child. It is not your fault. And you do not have to carry guilt. Or feel guilty. About what has happened to you. However. Having said all of that. Let me balance that by saying. Even though you're not responsible. For what was done to you as a child. As an adult. You are responsible for dealing. With what happened to you. And seeking help. To overcome what's been done to you. Does that make sense? Good. Now let's get back to Proverbs 19.3 and let's apply it to ourselves. Every day, every one of us makes decisions and do things that are foolish. And we say things that we shouldn't say. We do things that we shouldn't do. And, the, and for the most part, it doesn't affect us to a great degree. Oh, sure, it might get us in trouble for a little bit. Maybe with our wife or maybe with our boss or maybe with our kids. But it's not long term. Or it might make someone mad at us. Or it might cost us a little bit of money. But the truth is, most of the mistakes that we make don't ruin our life. In fact, most of the time, the consequences of the foolish things that we do are insignificant. They do not turn our life upside down. And they don't affect us for the rest of our life. But... There are certain mistakes that a person can make that will turn their life upside down. And it will affect them for the rest of their life. Now, I'm not saying that a person can't recover from those type of mistakes. But it will be a long and difficult process. And the effects of that one mistake might remain with them for the rest of their lives. So this is what I've told my kids. You are going to make a lot of mistakes in your lifetime. Everyone does. And for the most part, they're not going to hurt you, at least not in the long run. But there are certain mistakes that you don't want to make because they will hurt you. And when I say hurt you, I mean hurt you. And they will affect your life in a major way. And they will affect you for the rest of your life and sometimes even affect eternity. Those are the type of mistakes you don't want to make. And I hope you've told your kids the very same things. Now, I've got some good news and I've got some bad news. 
Which do you want to hear first? The pessimist say, give me the bad news. The optimist says, give me the good news first. Well, I'm an optimist, so let's look at the good news first. The good news is, there's not that many mistakes that will ruin your life. There's only a few. In fact, the majority of the mistakes that you make in this lifetime aren't going to really affect you that much. And they won't have any long-term effects. It's just like what I was saying previously. The bad news is that the type of mistakes that can ruin your life are easy to make. That was easy. Yep. That's why I named this series, Four Easy Ways to Ruin Your Life. In this series, I'm going to give you four major mistakes that you don't want to make. Because if you make any one of these four mistakes, it will ruin your life. That's why I'm teaching on it. So, let's look at the number one way you can ruin your life. The number one way you can ruin your life, survey says, addiction. Now, when we hear the word addiction, what do we immediately think of? We immediately think of drugs. But drugs is not the only thing that we can become addicted to. People can get addicted to things like gambling, pornography, alcohol, smoking, even food. And trust me, those type of addictions can also ruin your life. In fact, any type of addiction has the potential to ruin your life. So let's see what the Bible has to say about addiction. So if you brought your Bible, turn with me to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse number 12. You say, and I'm reading out of the New Living Translation, I'm allowed to do anything, but not everything is good for you. And even though I'm allowed to do anything, I must not become a slave to anything. Now I want you to underline the word slave. Slave is translated from the Greek word exousiadzo, which means to be controlled by or enslaved to. To be brought under the power or control of something. So what Paul is saying is this. We have the freedom to do anything that's not strictly forbidden by God. Now wait a minute, Pastor. I didn't hear that last part in that verse. Well, the reason I added that last part is because it's understood. See, whenever you study a verse in the Bible, you have to take it into context with the entire Bible. So it goes without saying that there are certain restrictions to this verse. And those restrictions don't have to be stated. They're just understood. Does that make sense? As an example, I am not allowed to murder so as the way, and the way I'm putting it is, I do not have the freedom to murder. No, that's strictly forbidden by God's word. I do not have the freedom to steal. I'm not allowed by God to steal. That's just understood so it doesn't have to be stated. So what Paul is saying in 1 Corinthians 6, 12 is this. We have the freedom to do anything that's not strictly forbidden by God, but just because we have the freedom to do something doesn't mean it's good for us. And then Paul specifically tells us that if we choose to do it, we need to make sure that we don't become enslaved to it, controlled by it, or in other words, addicted to it. And that's what exousiadzo means. It means to become addicted, to be controlled by or enslaved to something, to be brought under the power or control of something. And Paul specifically states that we're not to let that happen. So, 
When a person gets to the point that they're doing something that they know is not good for them, but they can't seem to stop. It's literally controlling their behavior. It's making them do things that they don't want to do. That is an addiction. And it's exactly what Paul is talking about in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse number 12. I am allowed to do anything that's not forbidden by God. But just because I'm allowed to do something doesn't mean it's good for me. And if I choose to do it, I must not become addicted to it. Or as Paul put it, enslaved to it, controlled by it, brought under the power of it. And that's the gist of 1 Corinthians 6, 12. Now, let me give you some examples, and this is where it's going to get a little bit offensive. All right? Smoking. You have the freedom to smoke. But just because you have the freedom to smoke doesn't mean that it's good for you. In fact, it's not good for you. But if you want to do it, you have the freedom to do it because it's not going to send you to hell. But Paul says you must not become a slave to it. And if you can't stop smoking, that means that you're a slave to it. You're under its control. You're under its power. You're addicted. And you're doing exactly what Paul said not to do. Alcohol. You have the freedom to drink. Contrary to what most churches teach, drinking is not a sin. However, being drunk, being buzzed, is a sin. And let me add, we're not to be a stumbling block to other people. That's why I don't drink. But drinking is not a sin. So you have the freedom to drink. But Paul says you must not become addicted to it. You must not become enslaved to it. And you'd be surprised at how many people are functioning alcoholics and don't even know it. They're doing exactly what Paul said not to do. Now, I've hit those things that you go, oh, yeah, it's easy to do. Smoking and drinking, every pastor does that. Okay, overeating. Let's talk about overeating. You have the freedom to enjoy food, fried food, desserts, snacks, pop. Those things are not going to send you to hell, people. You are allowed to do those things. But that does not mean that eating those type of foods is good for you. I know. I got up to 230 pounds, and I'm only 5 foot 10, and that's with shoes on. It makes me sound taller, though. I'm 5 foot 10. I leave my shoes on when I measure that, and I like the big tennis shoes with the big heels so I can get a little bit bigger. Now, I'm telling you, at 530 pounds, at 5 foot 10, you look like the Pillsbury Doughboy. And I was there. It's bad on your joints. You get reflux all the time. I slept most of the time sitting up. I was always having problems when I tied my shoes. I had to tie the shoes on the inside because I couldn't lean over. In fact, I'll just be honest with you. There was a point when I wanted to tie shoes. If I wanted to lean over, I had to get a big breath first. Because <gasps> when you go down, that's pushing on your stomach. And as a result of that, you can't tie your shoes. Does that make sense? Until you came back up for breath. And so I had to actually tie my shoes like this. And you can always tell if a person is extremely overweight or lazy because instead of leaning over to tie their shoes, they have to cross their feet. I'm just being honest. It's there. I was there. I know those things. Now, if you know that your eating habits aren't good for you, but you can't seem to stop, it's almost as if you're under the power of food. And it's controlling your behavior. 
Biblically, that's an addiction. Now, I could go on and on. Working. Some people are workaholics. They can't stop working. They go on vacation. They take the laptop. They take an evening off. They still have to take this call. We've got to do this. I've got to do these things. Shopping. Some people are shopaholics. They can't stop spending. Gambling. Some people lose everything they have, but they can't stop gambling. Pornography. You know, you shouldn't, but you're going behind your wife's back, or even if it's a woman, she's going behind her husband's back. She's hiding these things, but she can't seem to stop. Drugs. But it all boils down to one thing. If you know something's not good for you, but you can't stop, because that thing has brought you under its power, it's controlling you, then from a scriptural standpoint, you're addicted, plain and simple. And that's what the Greek word exousiadzo means. No ifs, ands, or buts. People, you cannot argue with 2 Peter chapter 2, verse number 19. It says, for a man is a slave to whatever has mastered him. In other words, a man is a slave to whatever controls him. And that's what it means to be addicted. Exousiadzo. Now, I need to make a very important point because we're talking about things that can ruin your life. So, listen very carefully. Not all addictions are the same. Did you hear me? I don't know why, but if you have a Baptist upbringing, we have the tendency to glump everything together. And let me tell you why. Because we were taught that all sin is the same. That is an erroneous doctrine. The Bible has never taught that. How did we get that? Well, that was just faulty reasoning. All sin will separate you from God. All sin makes you a sinner. And unless you're forgiven of that sin, you will not go to heaven. So we would say, well, all sin... Separate you from God. All sin must be the same. Uh-uh, uh-uh, uh-uh. Not at all. In fact, there are five different categories of sin according to the Bible. And when you start getting to some of the worst categories of sin, God comes along and he says, these type of sins deserve capital punishment. Why does he say that? Because not all sins are the same. The Bible does not teach that. Well, you need to understand that same reasoning goes along with addictions. Not all addictions are the same. In other words, some addictions are worse than others because the consequences are worse. People, drugs and alcohol are two of the worst. They will ruin your life if you become addicted to them. Pornography and sexual addictions, they're up there at the very top. They're just right underneath drugs and alcohol. And in a sense, sometimes I don't even make a distinction between the two because they will ruin your life. And not only will they ruin your life, they will ruin your spouse's life. They'll turn your children against you. It'll ruin your reputation within in the community. I just want you to understand those are two of the top worst two. Gambling. If you get addicted to gambling, it will ruin your life eventually. Can you see how now we're starting to come down in a little tear here. Smoking. Smoking is a stinky habit. And it can create health problems. And when those health problems come, you will curse the day that you ever began smoking. But it will not ruin your life like drug addiction, alcoholism, and sex addiction will. Smoking's not even in the same league as those type of addictions. And I'm not going to pretend that they are. 
If you come to me and you say, well, you know, I'm addicted to this, but I'm not a smoker, I'm going to say, well, I wish you were a smoker. Do you see what I'm saying? What about overeating? Well, it falls in the same boat as smoking. It can shorten your life and it can cause some medical problems, but I cannot say that it will ruin your life unless you become so obese that you cannot move and do the things that God wants you to do and can enjoy life. So you might be to that point, you say, well, your food has ruined my life. You can get to that point. But I want you to understand, it's not going to ruin your life like drugs and alcohol will, not like pornography and sex addiction will. But my point is this, some addictions are worse than others and their destructive power is greater. The really bad addictions, they won't just ruin your life, they'll ruin the people that love you, their life too. They'll ruin the life of everyone around you. And if you have anyone in your family that's either an alcoholic or a drug addict, you know exactly what I'm I'm talking about. Now, let's talk about the root cause of addictions. And I should really say the root causes plural because there's two. So if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. If you're not taking notes, I want you to take notes and write this down. All right? Your kids are going to need this. The root cause of any addiction is twofold. Disobedience to God's word and idolatry. Now let's look at the first one. The reason people become addicted to something is because they disobeyed God's word, plain and simple. They started doing something that God has strictly, uh, specifically told us not to do, that God has strictly prohibited. And had they obeyed God's word, they never would have become addicted in the first place. Let me give you a few examples. In Galatians chapter 5, verse number 20, witchcraft is listed as one of the works of the flesh. And it's strictly prohibited. But what's interesting is that the word witchcraft is actually translated from the Greek word pharmakia. Pharmakia means mind-altering drugs. In fact, our English word pharmacy is transliterated from this word. So if a person obeys God's word and never experiments with drugs, he won't become addicted. Now here's the interesting thing about this word. The reason that it is translated as witchcraft, or in the New American Standard NIV as sorcery, is because in those days, the pagan priest, the necromancers, the spiritualist, They all used mind-altering drugs to be able to go into the spiritual realm. Let me tell you what the Bible teaches. If you take illegal drugs, if you take mind-altering drugs, it opens you up to the demonic world. That's the truth. That's why people who become addicted to drugs become like animals. They won't raise their own children. They'll prostitute their spouse. They'll do whatever it takes to get those drugs. And the Bible refers to the taking of illegal drugs as witchcraft, but it's the Greek word pharmakia, taking mind-altering drugs. What about alcohol? Again, drunkenness is listed as one of the works of the flesh in Galatians 5.20, and it is strictly prohibited. So if a person obeys God's word and never gets drunk, and only drinks in moderation, he'll never become addicted. And I could go on and on, but I think I will. Just one more. Because I'm going to one extreme, and I don't want someone to go, boy, you really picked on these, but you didn't hit this. Let's talk about gluttony. 
Ooh. Now that hits me. But most people don't realize this. There's nothing wrong with overeating every once in a while. Thanksgiving comes along and you've got, like our family does, 12 different desserts. A turkey as as well as a ham, uh, mashed potatoes and gravy, uh, potato salad, all these different casseroles, anything that you can imagine. Let me tell you, I'm going to overeat. Nothing's wrong with that. Well, pastor, you can't say that the Bible says gluttony. You need to understand what gluttony is. The word gluttony means to continually overeat. In fact, when Jesus fed the multitude, what's kind of interesting, the word for gluttony, they were gluttoned. They ate to the point where they were stuffed. They couldn't eat anymore, and there were still 12 baskets full of leftovers. Now, if it was a sin to eat to the point that you're stuffed, then Jesus just allowed people to sin. But that's not what gluttony is. Gluttony is to continually overeat. And guess what? The Bible tells us that we're not to do it. It's strictly prohibited. We're strictly prohibited from doing that. We are not to continually overeat. And I want you to understand, I, I can be guilty of that. In fact, I'll, I'll be honest with you. The reason I'm, I, I've lost weight and I've gone from 230 pounds to 190 pounds and still lack about another 15 pounds. I've lost 40 pounds and still need to lose another 15. That's 55 pounds. Now, when God starts dealing with me, do you know why he starts dealing with me? It's not because I feel bad because, you know, that's not enough incentive for me to lose weight. It's because I understand that that's becoming a God. And God says, I'm strictly prohibiting you from continually overeating. So, I could go on and on with all addictions, but you get the picture. The number one root cause of all addictions is disobeying God's word. Now, what's the other root cause? Do you remember? Idolatry. How many of you would have ever guessed that idolatry is one of the root causes of addiction? No. Most people don't. Most people don't make the connection between addiction and idolatry, but it's there, and I'm going to show you the connection this morning. Whenever a person is addicted to something, it means that something other than God is controlling them. In 2 Peter chapter 2, verse number 19 clearly says, For a man is a slave to whatever has mastered him. So whatever a person is addicted to is their master, not God. Which technically is idolatry. And that's what the Bible teaches. Let me show you something very interesting. If you're taking notes, write down this scripture. Isaiah Chapter 44, verses 13 through 20. What's interesting is that this is a poetic look at addiction. Let me read Isaiah 44, verses 13 through 20. Then the wood carver measures a block of wood and draws a pattern on it. He works with chisel and plane and carves it into a human figure. He gives it human beauty and puts it in a little shrine. He cuts down cedars. He selects the cypress and the oak. He, he plants the pine in the forest to be nourished by the rain. Then he uses part of the wood to make a fire. With it, he warms himself and bakes his bread. Then, yes, it's true. He takes the rest of it and he makes himself a god to worship. He makes an idol and bows down in front of it. He burns part of the tree to roast his meat and to keep himself warm. He says, ah, oh, that fire feels good. Then he takes what's left and makes his god, a carved idol. He falls down in front of it, worshiping and praying to rescue me, he says. You are my God. Such stupidity and ignorance. Their eyes are closed and they cannot see. Their minds are shut and they cannot think. 
The person who made the idol never stops to reflect, why? It's just a piece of wood. I burned half of it for heat, and I used it to bake my bread and roast my meat. How can the rest of it be a god? Should I bow down to worship a piece of wood? The poor, deluded fool feeds on ashes. He trusts in something that can't help him at all. Yet he cannot bring himself to ask, Is this idol that I'm holding in my hand a lie? Now, as I said, this passage of Scripture is actually a poetic look at addiction. And let me explain why I say that. In this story... A carpenter goes out into the woods and he cuts down a tree. And he takes the wood, which is a neutral object, and he does some good things with it. He builds a fire. And he warms himself with the fire and he cooks his bread with the fire. But then he takes that neutral object, the wood, and he builds an idol with it. So he took something that's not bad. In fact, it's good if it's used properly. And he turns it into a god. And he begins serving it and it becomes his master. And in verse number 17, he says to the idol, Rescue me! You are my God! In other words, help me! I need you! Now, when we look at this story, when we read this passage of Scripture, we think, how stupid. Who would make an idol? A God out of wood. I would never do anything like that. But we do. In fact, we do the very same thing whenever we become addicted to something. We take a neutral object. And we turn it into our master. And we begin to serve it. And we say to it, I need you. Help me. If you're an overeater, food becomes your God. Oh, it's been such a rough day. i got to have a Twinkie. No, I know it's not a good fit. i got to have it. Thank you. I needed you. You're so good. Yeah. If you're a smoker... Stupid people, they won't let us smoke in, in restaurants anymore. In every place, there's no smoking. What do they expect to smoke? Gotta have a cigarette. Give me a cigarette. How do you open up this thing? Gosh. <sighs> Thank you. I needed you. You are so good. Help me. <sighs> Thank you. If you're addicted to gambling, you look at that slot machine, you look at that lottery ticket. I need you. Help me. If you're a workaholic, it's money. Man, I'm telling you, get that paycheck. This is what you've been working for. This is so good. And when you don't get it, something's missing inside of you. And you can't help it. You've got to work and you've got to make this. I need it. Help me to make this. If you're an alcoholic, alcohol becomes your God. You get to the point where you're going, I'm not going to drink anymore. I'm not going to drink anymore. You've got to have it. Oh, man, it's been a rough day. Gosh, pop that. Ah, this is what I'm talking about, baby. Thank you. You saved my life. Oh, yeah. If you're a drug addict, drugs become your God. You'll prostitute your children. You'll prostitute your values. You'll kill, you'll steal, you'll do anything you have to to get that drugs. It has power over you, it controls you, and when you get it, you say, Oh, save me, i got to have it! And then when it gets you, oh, it was good. 
But the truth is this. All of these things become God's if we become addicted to them. When we're addicted, we need these things. We might not say it, but we're thinking it. Save me! Save me, Twinkie! Oh, yeah. That's what he means when he says, rescue me. You are my God. Food, save me. It's been such a bad day. No one understands me. My husband doesn't even like me. I'll comfort myself with ice cream. And we begin to serve these things and they become our master, which technically is idolatry. Now, I like what verse number 20 says. It says, you poor, deluded fool. Now, listen to me. It's easy to become addicted. That was easy. Oh, yeah. That's why God must be number one in your life. And you must obey his word. Now, notice what I said. And let me just kind of reverse those if you don't mind. The number one root cause of addictions is you disobey God's word. So, this is why you must obey God's commands. Secondly, the root cause is idolatry. That's why God must be number one in your life. Notice what Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse number 24 says. If you're taking notes, write this down, go home and read it. And the Lord commanded us to do all of these statutes. In other words, he commanded us to keep his word, not to disobey his word. So the Lord commanded us to do all of these statutes, to fear the Lord our God. What does he mean? To reverence God as God. Now, why did he tell us to do these two things? Why did he tell us to obey his commands? Don't disobey his word. And why did he tell us to make God number one? For our good always. Now, isn't it funny that if you become addicted to something and you have to go to some type of uh, recovery system, if you go to some 12-step program, they tell you that you're going to have to make a decision to turn your will and your life over to the care of God as you understand Him, a higher power. I can tell you who that higher power is. It's Jehovah. It's the God of the Bible. It's the God of, of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Now... The reason they tell you you need to do that is because to break an addiction, you need God to be number one in your life. Why? Because one of the root causes of, of addiction is idolatry. Whatever you're addicted to has become your God. And 12-step programs understand that. And so what they're trying to do is to get you to repent of putting something in the place of God. So they tell you that the only way you're going to overcome that addiction is to do what? To restore God back to his right position. You need to submit your life and your will to God. Because what has happened in your life is this has become a God. And it's amazing that you can go to a secular program and they're still going to bring out the principles of God. And they're going to tell you if you want to be successful and overcome these addictions, these are the two things that you have to do. And it's exactly what the Bible teaches.